Hey, Sarah here. Summer is fast approaching, and here's what I propose. A relaxed and simple summer that offers just enough structure to keep those long, sticky days from melting into chaos, and just enough fun to keep your kids asking for more. Also, fairy tales. Lots of fairy tales. (laughs) I'm teaching a free workshop called Three Simple Steps to a Fairy Tale Summer, and I would love for you to join me. Save your free seat at the workshop by texting the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. See you there. Hey, Sarah McKenzie here. Before we jump into today's podcast, I want to let you know that our January 31-day Winter Read Aloud Challenge has completed. Get this, you guys. We had over 2,200 kids qualify for the grand prizes by reading aloud every day in January to their siblings or their pets or their stuffed goldfish. (laughs) Pretty fabulous, right? So we have emailed the winners of the Read Aloud Revival Challenge, the grand prize winners, um, and that's also been posted up on the challenge page. So if you are partaking in the challenge, head to that page where you downloaded your tracking form and any other, your calendar, your certificates, and you'll see the winner's first names, last initials posted there. And you should have also gotten an email if you were a winner. I'll tell you what, we're doing it again. We got so much good feedback from parents who said their kids went from struggling or not really wanting to read or having a hard time with sounding words out and getting fluent to just cruising through books and being voracious readers. And you know what? That's music to the Read Aloud Revival's ears. So we'll be doing this again in May. If you want to make sure you get the first word when we're ready with all of your tracking forms and prize announcements for the May 31-day Read Aloud Challenge, head to rar31days.com. You're listening to the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. This is the podcast that inspires you to build your family culture around books. This episode is going to be a little different than what we normally do on the podcast. We thought we'd give you a little peek behind the scenes for Revival. The Read Aloud Revival team has so much fun putting together podcast episodes and masterclasses and resources for our community, you, which is, you know, there's so many of you now. It's really, really fun. And we have just a ton of fun working here. And we thought we'd give you, you know, pull back the curtain a little bit and show you what happens behind the scenes in order for us to get this podcast into your earbuds. So I brought my partner in crime alongside me today. Hey, Courtney, are you there? Hello, hello. It's nice to hear your voice, Sarah. Yes, it's always nice to hear yours too. I'm so glad that you're here. Now, if you have ever written into the Read Aloud Revival podcast with a question or a, you know, a suggestion for a guest or any kind of comment, you've probably heard back from Courtney. Courtney's the community director here at the Read Aloud Revival. She's sort of on the other side of your screen if you're sending us a message. And I absolutely adore Courtney. Courtney, how long have you been part of the team here? Just over a year. It was in December of 2015, I think, that I started working with you. Wow, over a year. Okay, that's awesome. It was yeah. a pre- it's been a pretty stellar year for me, I think. <laughs> well, a wild ride. Anyway, I think I kind of give you a little bit of whiplash now and again. But <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, it comes with the job. Sorry. <laughs> it's good for me. Okay, you have to tell the story of how you and I started chatting 
originally or how we got to know each other originally. Yeah. Well, I mean, I had read your blog and listened to the podcast for years and years before I ever started working for you formally. And the way that I became sort of more than just a reader and occasional commenter on your blog was you were pregnant with Clara, your three-year-old, and you were talking about nesting and getting ready for having this baby. And you were reading breastfeeding books. And I am a La Leche League leader. And so I just put a little comment in that said, hey, if you ever have questions about breastfeeding, send me a line because I'm here to help and I'm a trained helper. And you did. And so we ended up, you know, emailing a couple of different times. And then when the twins were born, there were a couple of more conversations. And so that was how we got connected. I totally remember that. And, you know, it's so funny because I remember feeling kind of panicky about the situation I was in and thinking, I don't even know who I can ask for help. Oh, wait a second. One of my <laughs> readers said she's a Laleti League leader. She can help lead me, maybe. And you totally did. And so now that's kind of what I do on the comment box, too. <laughs> it's the same sort of help. Oh, yeah. no. Exactly. <laughs> totally. Okay, tell us a little bit about your... I've got three kids, a nine-year-old, a six-year-old, and a three-year-old. And they are all out having dinner at Burgerville tonight. Oh, happy. Burgerville. Is that because you're on the podcast? Yes. So they'd be a little quieter. It'd be quieter here. So they're going to start saying, mommy, when are you doing the next podcast? We'll <laughs> be planning it out. <laughs> okay. And then for any of our listeners who don't know, my kids, I have six and they are 14, 12, and 10. And then we have a three-year-old and twin two-year-olds who are such a handful. It's ridiculous right now. <laughs> Actually, the comment, the, just the energy and dynamics between the twins and the three-year-old is incredibly intense at the moment. So it's oh, only bet. quiet now because I bribed my big kids to go hang out with the little ones while I'm up <laughs> here recording. <laughs> Yay! Yeah. <laughs> if you've written into the podcast before, you've heard from Courtney, and a lot of you have written in with questions or just comments about the way we do things here. We thought it'd be really fun to kind of show you behind the scenes what it takes for us to get a podcast into your ears, what it takes for us to get the membership community content out to you. Actually, before we launch into that, I'll just make a quick differentiation if it's one of your first times listening or if you're somewhat new to the podcast. Our podcast releases every other Tuesday and it's free, of course, on iTunes. That's what you're listening to right now. And then we also have a membership community and this is a place where we put masterclasses. We have a community forum. We give children, the children of our families, access to authors where the author can be live on screen and kids can be asking their, interacting with authors. It's just really fun. Lots of extra resources for families who really want to build their family culture around books. So when we talk about the membership community, that's what we mean. And when we talk about the podcast, this is what we mean. This really fun recording that we get to do every couple of weeks and send out into the universe. So Courtney, let's start with one of the questions that we've gotten. Sure. A few weeks ago, you posted a picture of yourself and it was after you had been working on Read Aloud Revival stuff and you were just absolutely luminous. Can you tell me more about what was happening and how you were feeling in that picture? Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. I was feeling like I could run a marathon, I think is the words that I used on Facebook, although that <laughs> is not at all even close to being even possible. <laughs> okay. So one of the things that I've really figured out the last year or so is that I'm very extroverted, as our listeners probably could tell. But I have found that podcasting and doing this work has really fed my joy and given me a lot of energy. And so when I have podcast conversations or that morning I was having a conversation with one of our new masterclass teachers about a resource we're putting out this spring about how to introduce your kids to Shakespeare. By the way, that's going to be awesome. Is Ken Ludwig. Do you remember him, Courtney, from episode five? I 
do. He's one of my favorites. Right. So the author of uh, How to Teach Your Children Shakespeare, we're collaborating on a new masterclass for our members on how to introduce your kids to Shakespeare. And so we were chatting this that morning, how we wanted to put that class together. And I hung up the phone and felt just like I do after a podcast, just completely filled up, energetic, full of joy and life. And it's been just really fun to realize that this is probably exactly what I should be doing. So that's how I was feeling that day. Yeah, it's wonderful to hear. Where do you record your podcasts? Do you have a soundproof booth? (laughs) If I had a soundproof booth, I would be in there all (laughs) that time. (laughs) No, I actually have, I call it my corner office. It's a corner of my bedroom. So right now I'm looking at a, you know, a stack of baby laundry and an unmade bed behind me. (laughs) I'm trying not to look at the floor. I'll see Legos and stuff. The kids (laughs) brought in here. It's just a couple of little desks that we put into the corner of our bedroom and that's where I record and that's where I write and it's kind of where I do all my work. I just sort of hole myself up here whenever I get a chance, whenever my husband takes over the crew, which is actually quite frequently. (laughs) So when do you record? Do you have a set schedule? Does everyone leave the house? How does that work? I record mostly in the evenings, some evenings and weekends. So when my husband's here or sometimes if I'm recording with someone on the East Coast, since I'm on the Pacific Coast, I'll record super early in the morning, like 5 or 6 a.m. And that's just because timing issues can can be kind of tricky with the time difference. But my husband just takes over the kids downstairs and a couple things. First of all, my my bedroom is far enough away that I don't have to worry too much about noise. But secondly, if you have a good podcasting mic, and this would be good for anyone listening who might be interested in starting a podcast to know, if you have a good podcasting mic, it doesn't pick up a lot of the noise around you that's not your voice right directly in front of the microphone. So my kids can actually be out in the hallway behind me as long as they're not screeching. Not that my children ever do such things. (laughs) No. (laughs) You know, if it's just normal noises, for the most part, you can't really hear it on the recording. So you mentioned your podcasting, Mike. Tell me more about what you use. Do you have special equipment? I do. So kind of funny story about that is that I launched my podcast, at least booked my first guest (laughs) and set out to create the whole podcast before I had looked up a single thing about how podcasts were made. Oh, wow. (laughs) This is like trademark Sarah move here. I get all (laughs) I get this idea and think we're going to make this happen. And then I well, okay, I'll just tell you the story. So I was thinking to myself for a while, I think I would really enjoy podcasting. When I was a little, I always wanted to be a news broadcaster, ah. a radio news broadcaster, actually. And as I got, you know, as into motherhood, I love listening to podcasts. And I just thought, I think that would be really fun. I think I'd enjoy that. And at the same time, I was trying to revive a little series of blog posts I had started on my blog called The Read Aloud, or the blog was called Amongst Lovely Things, but I had done a series called Read Aloud Revival, kind of the same thing we do on the podcast, but I was doing them in this little series of blog posts. And it kind of fizzled out and there was a lot of energy behind it originally, but I just didn't feel like a blog series was the best mode for for what I was trying to do with that. Uh So at the same time, I was kind of thinking it'd be fun to podcast. And I was thinking, gosh, what should I do with this blog series that isn't really catching on the way I want it to? I thought, I wonder if I could podcast about reading aloud. I mean, literally before I had even thought about what could we talk about besides like an episode on why to read aloud. I shot an email off to the Institute for Excellence in Writing because Andrew Pudua, who's the head over there, he Uh was like the big inspiration behind why my family had been so shaped by reading aloud. I had Mm -hmm. heard him 
give this talk called Nurturing Competent Communicators, where he talks about the most important thing we do with our children to help them become great communicators is teach them to recite beautiful language and to read aloud and hear through their ear a lot of beautiful language. And so I kind of caught fire and doing this in my home. And so he was naturally the first person I wanted to talk to about reading aloud. So I, of course, I don't think he's going to, I'm going to be able to get to him because this is Andrew Pudua. <laughs> so I send this email to his marketing director and she instantly writes back, he'd love to. Oh, wow. And I thought, oh, I guess I need to figure out how to make a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and mind you, just a funny side note is that in the same month that was happening that I was creating this podcast, we are moving from one house to another. And my first book was being launched. And so it was kind of this crazy, like everything happening at the same time. And I remember thinking, I have officially lost my mind, but it was so much fun. It was fine. Anyway, I totally got off on the rails there. I looked up online to find out what kind of equipment I needed. And I ended up grabbing this, the mic I use is called an Audio Technica. And it's just, it looks like a microphone, like you're singing on stage microphone. It doesn't look like a podcasting mic necessarily, but I have a a stand that looks like a big robotic arm kind of thing. So it feels like I'm on the radio or something exciting when I'm using it. <laughs> I'll take a picture, actually. Oh, good. I'll take I a picture see. of my setup. Yeah. I'll put it in the show notes for this episode so people can see it. So you've got a mic and you've got a stand. Is there anything else? I've got a mic and a stand. I use headphones sometimes if I can't find my headphones. <laughs> I'm going to blame the babies on that because they like to come dink around my desk and steal things and run off with them. Sometimes I like right now, I'm just using regular earbuds like you'd use with your iPhone or your iPod. And then I record like what right now we're having our conversation on Skype. And I use a call recorder on my computer and we just record our conversation. And then for the first, gosh, I don't know how many episodes, I would say maybe 12 to 15. I did all the editing myself. And that was a really steep learning curve. I spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to edit the podcast. But I had this idea well, I had this bar kind of set kind of high in my mind because audio poorly recorded or produced audio can be kind of painful to listen to. Yeah, yeah, it can. Yeah. And I just thought I really wanted high quality. I liked the idea of having some musical interludes to kind of keep the show engaging. I loved this idea. One of my best friends, Pam, had to have kids call in and tell me their favorite books. So I thought, how do I produce this to make it work? And so I spent a lot of time learning how to use Audacity to edit the podcast and put them all together. And then right around episode 15 or so, I realized it was just getting to be, it was, even though I knew how to do it at that point and the learning curve wasn't so steep, it was really time consuming. And so we now have an audio editor who helps us put together all the different pieces and make it sound good. And then and of it course- it does sound good. I love the music in between. It's like, it's always such a neat sort of like, oh, like I take a breath and like, okay, tell me what's next. Like I, I can refocus. I like it a lot. Yeah. Refocus. That's a good word for it. I had heard somewhere that our attention span runs about eight minutes. This is probably really good for us homeschooling moms to remember too. <laughs> our attention span runs about eight minutes. And so if you don't change something every eight minutes, you're blessed them. And I will listen to podcasts and realize when I hear their musical interlude that I've been kind of tuning out and it'll kind of help me refocus. So yeah, yeah that's kind of helpful. And then the other piece I didn't mention is that when the kids call in and leave their messages, we use something called SpeakPipe for that. It's just something we put on our website. And that is got to be my favorite part of the podcast is hearing those kids call in and leave their messages about what books they're loving. I just, it's got like a reading rainbow-ish kind of feel to it. I love it. <laughs> I do too. And I was so surprised. I had my kids all record their favorite books. And it's so easy to use the interface on, it's at readaloudrevival.com. If you scroll all the way to the bottom of the page, it's super straightforward to do. And it sounds really good when you do it. It doesn't sound, you know, 
I don't know. And Sarah always says she can edit out missteps or anything like that. So I totally encourage you to do it. I get weepy sort of every time I hear the kids. I do too. (laughs) I totally do. Yeah. We realized that at the beginning, I thought I was like, why aren't more people calling in? This is so much fun. And then I realized I would probably feel like I'm going to have to say something and my child's going to have to repeat it back to me in order for this to work. So now I'll try to remind everyone you can totally do that because we just take those messages and we stick them into our audio editor and then edit out the parent's voice if we need to. Although I have to say, Courtney, my favorite message of all time (laughs) is with your Joe when you say your voice is on there and you say, where do you live? And you're, you know, we're, you're going for Portland, but he goes, eh? huh? <laughs> and you say, do you live at home? And he says, yeah. <laughs> I just love the funny that. thing is he doesn't have very many words. He's just turning three and he's only just now sort of starting to talk a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. And he had a lot, he signed a lot and he had, you know, his receptive language is very high, but he couldn't say very many words. So in that recording was really like all the words he had. <laughs> I we used it. them all. <laughs> I love it. We listened to that message like several times because we were just laughing so much. Where do you live? At home? <laughs> Believe me, Joe listened to it so many times his own self. He loves it. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> too funny. <laughs> <laughs> so your first idea for a guest was Andrew Pudua, kind of the big guns right off. Right yeah. But where do you get ideas for guests now? 39 episodes on. Okay, so this is funny because my husband was kind of like, you're going to start a podcast about reading aloud. And then he's got this joke that he's going to kill me for saying this on air, but (laughs) he's got this joke that he was like, what are you going to say? Read aloud. Do it. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's kind of a joke now. We'll just say it. Like when I'm talking about the read aloud revival, he'll say, do it. Um, (laughs) I decided when, after I had gotten Andrew Pudua, Oh my, I at least need to make, I said it was a podcast when I, when I proposed it to IEW. So I at least need to have a few other people on. So I'm sure we could come up with a few things to talk about. So I went to Starbucks, I brought my little journal and I thought I'm going to spend the next hour thinking of every possible guest or topic that I think we could talk, you know, tackle. And hopefully I'll be able to come up with maybe 10 and we'll have like a podcast series that's, you know, 10 episodes long. What happened is in about 10 minutes, I had two pages completely full. And I thought, oh, okay, there's going to be no shortage of ideas. And as time has gone on and our listeners suggest, they'll write in to suggest guests and suggest episodes episodes, or topics or questions that they have they want answered. We put those all into these giant brainstorming documents. And I think we'll have podcasts for a good long time. Don't you think, Court? (laughs) I think so, too. And I'd love to hear. I mean, I'd love to see how the podcast sort of comes up organically from the suggestions that have been offered. Recently, we had Cheryl Swope on who talked about reading with children with learning disabilities. And that is a question really that I get maybe once a week. And so now I've been saying like, well, thank you for your suggestion and it's coming. And so now I can point people to a really strong resource that gives them, you know, concrete ideas and encouragement. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you think you have an idea of something or a question that you think, man, I wish they'd answer that, write us, email us at support at readaloudrevival.com because those do not, we don't just go, oh, that's nice and put it away. We really do take your suggestions and put them into a list of ideas and use those when we're creating new podcast episodes. So a lot of our podcast episodes have come straight from the ideas of our listeners. So what about the live author events? We've got quite a lineup for 2016. How do you get those guests? Okay, that's a little different. So the live author events, now this is part of our paid membership, of course. And when we 
launched the membership site last year, I had an idea of doing an author event once a quarter where we had a children's author live on screen, kind of in a webinar format where the live authors live on screen with me. And then kids can be in and families can be in the chat box typing their questions like, why did you name your character Hank for Hank the cow dog <laughs> or or like what's your favorite vegetable for Sam Smith, you know, <laughs> the green member <laughs> or all kinds of on topic questions too. <laughs> really great questions the kids ask. And anyway, I thought this would be really fun to do once a quarter. And so I reached out to a couple of authors I had had interactions with before, like Melissa Wiley, the author of The Prairie Thief, who I had been interacting with before years prior on a forum and that kind of thing. And those were so well received the families who came to those told us they were really transformational or marked like a shift in their the way their kids approached reading after attending those and meeting a real author that I realized, oh my goodness, we need to do this more often. And so we set out to get as many as we could in 2016. Honestly, I set out to get six. And I started to write publishers and agents and sometimes authors on their websites, although they're notoriously difficult to get a hold of on their websites, <laughs> like always busy writing books or something. So they're not responding to their website contact forums. I don't know. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> so at first I, you know, writing to these authors or trying to get them booked was really, really difficult. And then it sort of ended up being kind of the snowball effect. I would send out more requests and more requests until in 2016, we ended up having an author for every single month. Actually, in one month, actually in 2016, we'll have two authors. Oh, and wow. so that's been really fun. We It does take a lot, lot of work. These authors are so busy. And of course, I think authors probably have a hard time juggling balancing their work time between writing and being able to connect with their readers. I can see that being kind of difficult. So sure. what we have at the Read Aloud Revival is really awesome because an author was going to come to a school event in a different city, of course, it takes so much more of their time because they have to do all the traveling and everything, you know, spend right. days to get there and home and all of that. And then you get to reach this group of kids. But what we're able to do on the Read Aloud Revival is let the authors, you know, be at home and meet with us virtually, which is fantastic. And then, of course, to meet with literally thousands of families all over the world. So it is really, really awesome. It's, it's not so quick. It's not easy to get the authors or to book them or to line up all those details. It's not inexpensive either, but it's totally worth it. Yeah, I was just going to say it's there's so, so much fun. That is the time in my job when I feel like you did in that picture. After a live author event, I'm just like, Ooh. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> the first masterclass that I ever worked with you was Andrew Pudua. And I came home. I actually went to Starbucks and they should give us some ad money. <laughs> they should. Um, or coffee. I'll take coffee. Over I would ad trade. Money. Yeah, I went to Starbucks. <laughs> And worked in the chat room for that Andrew Putawa masterclass. And I came home and I said, you guys, I feel like a real grown-up working lady. And I was so excited. <laughs> that was so much fun. We had a huge attendance at that masterclass too. I remember that being the biggest event I had ever done live. I was sitting, I did that, recorded that in my laundry room. <laughs> I think I might have posted a picture to Instagram afterwards. I can't remember why I set up there, but it might have been the lighting or something. I don't remember, but I totally was sitting on the floor in the laundry room and uh, recording that masterclass and Andrew <laughs> Pudua knocked it out of the park. Of yeah, course. He did. Yeah. One of the things I love most is when our listeners write in and tell us, you know, my kids would love to meet this author because truly I took every single one of those suggestions we got over the last year and just doubled over on my efforts to get those authors. We're not always able to get them. I think for every author request we get from a listener, 
we get Kate DiCamillo like three times. <laughs> and <laughs> I can't for the life of me book Kate DiCamillo. But Kate, if you're ever listening to this podcast, <laughs> we would love to have you on. So sometimes we can't get all the authors our kids want. We, we hear a lot from kids who watch J.K. Rowling and, you know, I'm not superhuman, <laughs> but we have been able to book some fantastic authors like, gosh, who do we have coming on in 2016 that should blow people away? David McCauley, the, the writer of The Way Things Work and yeah. Castle and Pyramid and Avi, who's a favorite in our house, the writer of Poppy and True Confessions of Charlotte Doyle. What else? I think he's written 70 some books. It's pretty amazing. Oh, wow. And then I don't even know if I told you, Courtney, that I just booked Jennifer Holm. Did I tell you that? I don't remember. I I saw her name come up in a document, though. So I thought she was she was on the horizon. Yes. So listeners, if you're familiar with our own Lee May Amelia, Sunny Side Up, Turtle in Paradise, and then probably a lot of you know the Baby Mouse series. That's all created by Jennifer Holm and she's going to be on in July. So really excited about that. Wonderful. So when you're interviewing podcast guests or live author events, how do you get your questions? How do you figure out, how did you figure out how to be an interviewer? I mean, when we just had a live author event in December with John Erickson, Hank the Cowdog, and you and I were all set to go and then we were waiting for him to show up. And we were worried that the weather was going to be a problem. He was going to be out at church and he was going to have to drive an hour back home. And there was snow in the forecast. An ice storm, I think. An ice storm was coming. And so we were waiting for him to come into the call and the clock is ticking and people are filling up the chat box and the clock is ticking and ticking. And you, you know, say, hey, we'll be ready in just a few minutes. And it's still ticking. And then finally he... He signed in and he was having trouble with his password, which just happened to me. So I, I totally understand. (laughs) But you, instead of being like, okay, go, go, go. We're late. Let's get this thing on the road. You were like, Hey, how was church? How's the weather? Has the (laughs) storm appeared? And you just really, you know, it was super conversational and you really kind of put him at ease and you put me at ease. And so, I mean, I think that's really an art to be able to talk to people like that and to make people feel ready to talk to you. So do you have any tips? Oh my goodness. Thank you. I didn't, I've never heard your perspective on that day. That was a little stressful, wasn't it? It I had had just spoken with Mr. Erickson a few days before and he told me the ice storm and, you know, he had to sing a solo at church and he might be kind of late if there was any weather troubles. And I thought, oh my, because we have a lot of people coming to this event. Yeah. So I was a little bit worried about that. But then when it got past one o'clock and that was when we were supposed to start, I thought, okay, how are we going to do this? But you know, Courtney, you left out a very important other detail that was kind of a kink in that day because I had a terrible case of laryngitis and I was just starting to heal from it at that time. So you took the reins on that interview. (laughs) Yeah, I I could have used some some interview pointers, I think. (laughs) I don't think so. You rocked it. It was awesome. (laughs) You know, honestly, I just like to have a conversation so... I'm not ever comfortable with is peppering somebody with questions nonstop. I definitely go into every interview with questions. I would never just go off the cuff and just come up with them as I went. However, you know, if I was going to go out to coffee with a girlfriend and I wanted to ask her about something, I'm trying to think of an example, maybe like I wanted to ask her about how she does morning time in her homeschool. So I could try to figure out how I could do better mornings in my own homeschool. I would Uh probably have a few things I wanted to ask her, but I wouldn't go down them like a interrogation, you know? When she started to talk back to me, I would realize, oh, there was something else I wanted to ask about that. Or I would say, tell me more about that. 
So I kind of think about podcast interviews in the same way as if I was sitting down having coffee with a girlfriend. It's not always that calm inside. If you know, I'm not always as calm inside as I would like to be, especially if it's somebody a little like when I talk to Ken Ludwig, who is yeah. the writer of <laughs> How to Teach Your Children Shakespeare. And I think I'm talking to an award-winning Broadway playwright who has won awards in London and New York. And oh my goodness. <laughs> I try not to fangirl out too much, but <laughs> I think they probably like it too, though. <laughs> but, you know, some of the best questions I don't actually come up with. So actually, this is a good time for us to introduce the rest of the team so I can talk about Kara. Kara is our podcast manager and she's my virtual assistant as well. So she does a lot of things like, well, she creates the questions that start me out. So whenever we book a new guest, she comes up with some questions that she thinks our audience would be really interested in hearing. And now you, Courtney, and both Kara and you are really active in our member forums, really active on the Read Aloud Revival Facebook page and in the inbox. And so you're always hearing what people in the community are talking about and asking. And that gives both you and Kara a really good perspective, I think, on what people would be most interested in hearing. And I have found that when I was writing all of my own questions and trying to create the interviews myself, it's a little bit hard to put yourself in someone else's shoes. So I was always, the interviews were always fabulous for me, but you know, I might have missed it a little bit for some of my listeners. So having Kara write out the questions first, come up with her questions first, I'll sometimes look through the questions. She's so good at it too. So she'll send me the questions and I'll think, oh, that's really good. I never would have thought of that. So we start out with those and then I add some questions of my own. And then I always tell my guests when we first start recording, this is totally conversational and it can go off the rails. So if you want to take this in a totally different direction, let's do it. And that's happened a few times. So Wow. Yeah. So when we do a podcast, we always have a complete transcript because some of our audience does not really like the audio format, really likes reading it instead. So we have a transcript and then we also create these cheat sheets, which Courtney writes. Courtney, why don't you talk about the cheat sheets actually for a second? So the cheat sheets are just a little introduction. And, you know, a lot of us listen to podcasts sort of on the go, but that way they sort of can sometimes get lost in the shuffle. And so cheat sheets are a way to, you know, come back to an idea that maybe caught your attention, but that you didn't have time to necessarily follow up on. And so there are some choice quotes. There's also a listening guide so that you can fast forward right to the spot where you'd like to listen again. There are some reflection questions so you can think through sort of how you can bring these ideas to live at your house. Yeah, I love these. Actually, so we, the reason I think these originally came about is because I started getting frustrated listening to podcasts that I listen to. I always listen while I'm, I can't imagine actually sitting and listening to something or not doing anything else. So I listen, well, sometimes I'm driving. A lot of times I'm doing laundry or cleaning the kitchen or taking a walk. And I'll hear something and think, oh, I need to write that down so I don't forget, especially if it's a book recommendation or something. And I won't be able to because I'm driving the car and <laughs> that, it's not very safe. <laughs> it's kind of frustrating. So I realized it would be so helpful if I went to the show notes, they actually had taken notes on their own podcast. So I don't have to listen to the whole thing. And then if I wanted to listen to a snippet because I thought it was so inspirational or encouraging or helpful, I would often find myself going through my podcast app, hitting 30 seconds forward over and over and over again to try to find the spot. And I thought, this is silly. Why don't we make something that makes... I wonder if people do this with the Read Aloud Revival. We should make this easy. So we created these, you know, this format for cheat sheets. And Courtney, I just love the way the things you pull out, I think are so helpful. And a lot of times I'll go back and (laughs) look at the cheat sheet and be like, oh my gosh, I forgot we had that, you know, we talked about that. I need to go back and listen to what that person said again. So yeah, it's interesting how, you know, 
things, you know, there's sort of the whole big picture, but then there's the the little golden nuggets, the golden lines that stick out and that can be something that you can tuck in your pocket and take with you so that the podcast can have a life beyond just the hour that we spend listening together. Yeah, exactly. We'll get back to the show in just a minute. At the beginning of today's episode, I mentioned that what I propose for this summer is a relaxed and simple plan that offers just enough structure to keep your days from melting into chaos and just enough fun to keep your kids asking for more. And what summer wouldn't be much, much better with a whole bunch of fairy tales? Well, I'm teaching a free workshop called Three Simple Steps to a Fairy Tale Summer And here's what we're going to talk about. First, how reading fairy tales can make your summer easier. Yes, easier. We want to take things off your plate this summer, not put more on, right? (laughs) Fairy tales can make your summer easier and more fun. I'm also going to share the fairy tales I recommend for every age and the tippy top thing you can do to make sure your kids make delightful memories this summer. It is way less work and way less pressure than you think. The free workshop is happening live online on May 7th, 2024, and you can save your free seat by texting the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. And yes, there's a replay, so make sure you register even if you can't join us live on May 7th. Again, text the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. My favorite thing is the reading parties guide. That was something that I didn't work on at all. And so it just arrived (laughs) fully formed and so beautiful. And it was just like, I love this. This is so amazing. I wrangled Jessica Lawton. So she's a podcast listener. Hello, Jessica. And I wrangled her because I had heard one of my best friends, Pam, does these parties with her. They do these book celebrations. And when Pam would talk about the kind of celebrations her group of friends did around books, I thought, oh my gosh, I need to get in on this. And they didn't sound difficult, but I'm not like a Pinterest party kind of themed birthday party or anything kind of mom. That's probably the understatement of the year. (laughs) (laughs) My oldest daughter, I'm sure is listening to this podcast going, yeah. And so I thought I, I could never pull something like this together. And Pam would say, oh, no, no, we pull these together like in a couple of hours. They're so simple. So I thought, we got to learn how to do this. And so we wrangled her friend Jessica to write that for us. And awesome little resource guide that we put in membership. It's so helpful. Yeah, it's super fun. Super fun. So tell me about, you talked about that one brainstorming session at Starbucks that you had to come up with original ideas. But now moving forward, especially for things that are happening inside membership, tell me about how you come up with ideas for the masterclasses. For the most part, we listen to what our members tell us. We have a community forum inside membership where our members are talking and telling us, you know, the things that they most want to learn or that they're struggling with or that they're doing great with or what they'd like more encouragement for. And so they often suggest masterclass topics. But on the whole, our whole team pays really close attention to just what our community members are saying anywhere. So when we share an episode of the podcast on Facebook and some of our community will make comments in 
Facebook or, you know, in the show notes, the comments of the show notes or whatever on this site, we just pay attention to what they're saying that they struggle with because so many of us are in the same boat. And so it will happen that not just one of our listeners needs to help, you know, needs help with reading aloud with their special needs students, but literally thousands of our listeners do. And right. so I think sometimes we live inside our own heads so much and you know we our own experiences that we think this is a unique thing that we're encountering but really like you said it's some what we're finding is there are for every person who writes in there are tons and tons and tons of people who have also written and say hey do you have any resources about this Exactly and then what we'll do is when we you and I will collaborate usually since you're on the other side of the inbox you and I will collaborate and go, okay, we have had a ton of people email and say they would like to help their husbands get on board with reading aloud. So what can we do about that? And so we go, okay, let's figure out who we can have on to talk about that, that kind of thing. So that's really, I would say listening to our audience is the number one way we decide what to do with master classes. For example, this is a great example. I didn't realize now my oldest kids are 14, 12, and 10. And then I have this big, huge gap. And then I've got some toddlers, right? So when I'm creating sort of like the overarching plan for the Read Aloud Revival for 2016, I didn't realize that I had completely missed offering anything for our audience that has kids maybe from the three to eight-year-old range (laughs) that are just kind of getting their feet wet, just kind of like figuring out this whole Read Aloud thing in their family culture until we had a million, not that I'm exaggerating or anything, (laughs) comments from our community saying, gosh, I'd really like something that met my needs and this is how my kids are. And so you and I kind of pow out and I went, oh my goodness, it's that whole, you kind of get stuck in your own story thing. Yeah, that's right. So we're creating a masterclass to happen this summer, specifically for parents of younger kids and getting started with that reload culture. And what do you do with a book after you've read it? When you've read a book to a five-year-old, how do you take it to the next level? What do you do next? So we're creating a masterclass for that. So really, we just listen to what people say and then we go from there. Yeah. Another example is that actually when we air this podcast, I'll be in the middle of teaching Focus and Align, which was, it's a masterclass uh, live that we're putting out inside membership. And that was born out of realizing that when I would go speak at conferences, I speak at these homeschool conferences all over the country, and I would get asked the same question over and over. And that same question will pop up in my inbox. And that's, how do you make your homeschool look like that vision in your head? You know, when we all start homeschooling, we have this vision of what our homeschool is going to look like. And everyone's going to have lots of time to pursue their own interests and we're going to be patient and the kids are going to be smarter than all the neighbor's kids. (laughs) It's like (laughs) wonderful. And then we start and it doesn't look like that at all. And the dailiness of it all really wears us down. And so I set out to create a masterclass that would inspire us all to get really clear on what we're trying to accomplish by homeschooling our kids and then use really practical strategies and exercises to make that come to life on Monday morning. So that's totally how we create stuff here. We just listen to what you all are telling us and then we make something to help you. Oh, I'm really looking forward to those masterclasses. I could have used them. It's not Mondays that kill me. It's Tuesdays. So it was yesterday that I needed that masterclass. <laughs> I'll remember so that. looking forward to it. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously you get a lot of joy from this work. But what's do you have a favorite part of the process or a favorite aspect of the Read of Aloud Revival? That's tough. I have to say at New Year's this year, we do this thing I found on Pinterest. I found Wait, on, you told me you didn't do I don't do Pinterest. Pinterest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally contradicting myself. Okay, I found this on Pinterest like five years ago. 
And I go back, literally, I go to Pinterest once a year to go get this thing for the current year. It's a, oh, what a year printable. You know, it says, you know, right now my favorite food is this. My favorite color is that. It's just this thing you print out. And I love reading my kids' answers, you know, from year to year to year, whatever yeah. their favorite movies were, their books were, and their, yes, and like what their, the hardest part of their home, or not homeschool, the hardest part of their school year, not even school year, the hardest part of their year, what they learned, like the biggest lesson they learned, what they're hmm. most excited about for the coming year. I just love doing that with my kids. And so we were doing that for New Year's this year. My husband and I fill one out too. And it said, one of the questions was, what do you like to do in your free time? I put work. (laughs) And my family's like, what on earth is wrong with you? But I'm like, anybody who does what I do would say that really, truly. (laughs) It does not feel like work. It's totally fun. My favorite part of the, not all of it. There are some details parts of it. Like, I don't know getting things in order, like administrative kind of putting things that are not my strength that are very difficult for me. <laughs> but my very favorite part is anything where I get to connect with the people in our community. I just, I really love revivalers. They're honestly the best people on the planet. When I meet them at conferences or run into them, which has happened, you know, at Red Robin or <laughs> whatever, I'm like, you people are the best people ever. I cannot believe that I get to interact with you all the time and actually call it work. So whether it's talking to them on a podcast or meeting them at a conference or chatting with them during a masterclass or on our forum or on Facebook, the people in the Read a Lot of community are what fill me up. But I actually am really interested in knowing what your favorite part of the process is. Well, I mean, I think I already, that I love, I love, I'm always, you know, like I keep being surprised at how good the forum is. I keep being surprised at how good and loving and open the people are and how much they encourage when somebody writes in and is feeling discouraged and needs a pep talk, they're right there. When people write in and ask for recommendations about homeschool curriculum or about, you know, the best book for eight-year-old girls who love horses, but also want to start, you know, illustration, like very specific (laughs) things. And people will have really specific books like, oh, I had a daughter like that too. I know it's so awesome. (laughs) And it's just, I'm amazed. I love, even if I don't have the particular, I don't need that particular book. I love reading those because they're so interesting and the people are so, you know, big hearted. And so I love hanging out in the forum, but it's the live events. It's master classes and live author events. When I get to be in the chat box and, you know, just saying hi and seeing what, how people are thinking about things and how yeah. they're interacting with books. You know, when we did the John Erickson event, that was the first time that you were live on screen and I was in the chat box because I had laryngitis. So I couldn't, we, we swapped places. Yeah. And I told you, Hey, I think you've been having the fun all this time. <laughs> this chat box is amazing. This is so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's really fun. Yeah. The energy there is kind of, it's, you can't really duplicate it. It's just really unique. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it, now we're hearing back from families who have experienced live author events a couple of times and they're saying that it, you know, that they feel the same way, that they feel the same energy that we're experiencing. So that's really fabulous to hear. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so we're coming close to the end, but I have a couple more questions. Are you up for them? I'm good. Yeah. Okay. So how long does it take to make a podcast episode? It takes, you know, maybe 45 minutes to listen to one, but it must take more time than that, right? Yeah. You know, I knew we were going to talk about this question. So I did a little sleuthing to figure out. It's kind of hard to say. We actually have a lot of hands that touch every single episode of the podcast. I think we have six. I'm pretty sure we have six different hands that Uh touch the podcast before it goes up. And when I was, I went back into our project management software and I was kind of looking through all for an upcoming podcast, all the different tasks that have to be done to put up, say, episode 45. 
And I added up all the time that it takes to do those tasks. And I think it's in a ends up tallying about 15 hours, a little bit more than 15 hours of work that goes into every single episode. Wow. It's kind of astounding. <laughs> that includes, you know, preparing for it. So Kara, our podcast manager, has to try and find our guests, get a hold of them, book them for the date, come up with some questions. I prepare ahead of time, of course. I'm never just going to go completely off the cuff recording it. And then all that production afterwards of editing and splicing and slicing things together. And then a lot of that is creating the extras that we put in the membership program. So the transcript, the cheat sheets, printable show notes, and putting those show notes up online. And it's a lot of when I looked at it that way and kind of looked at every single different thing that has to be done and how much time that is, I thought, yeah, okay. <laughs> but you know, we, do, we also have really high standards. I think we want the podcast to be worth our listeners' time because we know... Our listeners are busy parents who have a lot to do and they don't have a ton of extra time to listen to podcasts and definitely do not have time to listen to podcasts that are either hard to listen to because the quality is bad or there's just a lot of random small talk that's not helpful. So we really want to make sure that the shows are worth every minute our listeners give to them. And so we work really hard to make sure that's what's happening. So do you have other podcasts besides this one that you listen to that you like that you could share with us? Yes, I used to listen a little bit more than I do now, but I'll tell you what. Actually, I'll tell you a little bit about a weakness I had for there for a while. I was getting <laughs> a little carried away with my podcast listening. I love podcasts and I love audiobooks too. Audio is definitely my preferred learning mode. So if you're going to teach me something even more than watching you do it, I just want to listen to you tell me about it. And so I would put all these podcasts onto my phone and then, you know, at the time, I would say my twins were probably in their first year or second year. So like they were one, one and a half and we had a two-year-old and our house was really loud a lot of the time. And so I would go to wash the dishes or do some laundry and I'd put my earbuds in and my kids are all around walking around. And it was like, almost like I was using it to get away from the noise a little bit or escape a little bit of the craziness. And so what was happening though, is that my big kids would come tell me that I was really hard to talk to because when they finally got around to like coming to me with their idea, there's six kids here. So like by the time they got their turn to come talk and tell me about the thing that they wanted to talk to me about, I had my earbuds in. And even if I wasn't actively listening to something, maybe my podcast has ended and I just hadn't taken my earbuds out because I was in the middle of washing dishes. It kind of sent this signal to my kids like, I can't listen to you. I'm listening to something else. My attention is somewhere mm -hmm. else. And so that was, became a problem. And so I have cut down on my podcast listening a ton. And now I really just listen when nobody else is expecting me to listen to them or could possibly expect <laughs> me to listen to them. So <laughs> um, sometimes I volunteer to go. Gro my husband does most of the grocery shopping, which I know we should give him a moment of silence, <laughs> reverence for that, because that's amazing. Sometimes I'll volunteer to go just so I can listen to some podcasts without feeling guilty about it. Then I'm the crazy lady in the grocery store listening to a podcast. <laughs> I'm OK with that. <laughs> Anyway, okay, favorites. So my best friend, Pam Barnhill, has two fantastic podcasts. One's called yeah. Your Morning Basket. I'm all about your the start of your homeschool day, getting just the best parts of your homeschool day packed into the morning there in a really delightful way. And she also has one called Homeschool Snapshots, which is a peek into other homeschoolers' lives and their daily routines. And that's really fun. I love that podcast. It's been really fun because they're people that I read their blogs. And so I love, you know, hearing their voice, matching their voice to their writing voice. I love that one. Yeah, me too. Have you been on that one yet? Oh, no. Uh -uh. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I have connections, you know. Hmm. <laughs> 
Another favorite of mine is Father John Ricardo. Have you ever listened to his podcast? No. Okay, he's a priest out of a Catholic church in Michigan, and they put his homilies up. And I think it was a listener who told me, hey, Sarah, I think you'd like these. And I'll be honest, I was kind of like, listen to more homilies. <laughs> they kind of have to be really good. Um, so they're not, it's not a podcast. It's not a produced thing. It, they're homilies from a mass. Yes. Oh yeah. And I should probably describe for my non-Catholic listeners that a homily is really a sermon. It's a Catholic sermon. We just use a different word for it. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's just his sermon or his homily from church that's been recorded and they put it up on a podcast. And oh my goodness, they are so good. Wow. Um, they are absolutely fantastic. And so I listen to a lot of those. He also does a lot of special events at his parish for like example one time he had Dr. Meg Meeker there to talk about raising kids in the modern culture and that went up on the podcast too it was phenomenal in fact we'll put that one I'll put a link to that one in the show notes that one okay. I've listened to at least five times it's oh, so wow. good yeah so that's a favorite of mine and in fact he had such a profound impact on me that I quoted him a few times in my book I had to just send him a book uh, a couple of weeks ago I realized he doesn't know who I am he has no idea who I am <laughs> But I've quoted him like a bunch of times in my book. I should probably send him one of these. <laughs> Tell him, hey, I put you on page 84. <laughs> I listen to a lot of the podcasts on the Circe Institute. They have a podcast network. One of our guests, in fact, Cindy Rollins, who did the episode on Reading with Boys, she has a podcast there on the Circe Network called The Mason Jar. Mason all about Jar. Charlotte yeah. Mason. Yeah. yeah. And we can link to all these in the show notes so people can find them. And another new podcast that I really enjoy is the IEW, I think it's called the Arts of Language Podcast. And that's Andrew Putua. So he was number episode number one here at the Read Loud Revival. He's a good friend of mine now. And they are producing a wonderful podcast on teaching writing. And so that's a really good one to listen to. And then Tish Oxenreiter, who's another friend now. I had her on the, on the podcast for episode three. And that was the first time I'd ever chatted with her or talked with her at all. That's developed into a friendship. And she has a podcast called The Simple Show. And it's really wonderful. I listen to that as well. And then I also listen to a handful of business entrepreneurial type podcasts because that kind of revs me up too. So <laughs> Anne Vogel, actually, as I'm recording this, just released her podcast yesterday. Did you see that, Courtney? I did. I'm excited. Yeah. It's called What Should I Read Next? So if you guys are wondering, wait, that sounds familiar. Anne Vogel was a very recent podcast episode, end of 2015, the last uh -huh. episode. And she's modern Mrs. Darcy. So you know her, you just might not know her name by that. <laughs> and she's just released her own podcast where she's doing a little literary matchmaking each week. So very excited for that. Yeah, she gave us a taste of it on the podcast. So you might have already heard her talk about, you know, bet the best fantasy books for young readers. That's right. She did it for me for read alouds. Um, yeah. Yeah. So she'll do it on her podcast. It's for grownups. Yeah. So yeah, really fun. That's wonderful. So that's what you listen to. Do you read on top of that? Of course I read. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> do you, I know you must read aloud. Do you read for yourself? Do you read? Okay. Yes, I do. I read to myself. Now, I used to read a lot more than I do now, but it's because I have all this work to do here for the, for the Read Aloud Revival, kind of ironically. Right in 2016, I made myself a goal to read more kid lit because I read with my kids out loud. But you know how it is. We, you read aloud a, lot, a book a lot slower than you read it right. to yourself. And so I was feeling like I there's a lot of books out there that I keep saying I want to read and I just haven't done it. So I have a goal 2016 to read 50 kid lit books. Um, novels 
plus picture books, but for the 50, 50 children's novels. And a lot of those that I've got planned for 2016 are books by our um, authors who are going to be featured on author events. So I want to read all the Growly books by Philip and Aaron Ulrich. Have you read those? I haven't, but they get rave reviews from our listeners. Yes. And they're going to be on in November. And then I've read a lot of Jennifer Holm, but I haven't read all of them. There's a few I want to read that I haven't read yet. And then I do read for myself too, separate from kid literature. Right now, I happen to be reading The Five Love Languages of Children and Every Bitter Thing is Sweet, which Sarah Hagerty sent me herself. So that was Mm, fun mail to get. Yeah. Yeah. What do you read mostly? I read all over the place. I read lots of kid lit. And I had a really bad year in 2015 reading wise. I started a lot of novels and got, you know, I started a lot of thick novels and got 200 pages in and said, oh, I'm not going to do this. And so I read less than I normally do, but I'm hoping that 2016 will be good. You mentioned Cindy Rollins and she put up that her goal this year is to read 101 books in oh the year. Oh my goodness. And I said, okay, <laughs> you've thrown down my 50 children's books to shame. <laughs> I want to read 101 books too, so that I can grow up to be Cindy Rollins. Yes, from- exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's my goal. So I'll be reading lots of kid lit too, just because like you said, it comes with the territory, but I love reading big fat novels. Very cool. What about inspiration generally? I mean, you give out, you've got six kids, you homeschool, you've got work that you do that, you know, demands a lot. How do you fill yourself up creatively? Oh yeah, this is really important. I feel it. Boy, do I feel it when it start when my wellspring kind of starts to dry up. Because I feel I get cranky with my kids. I get frustrated. I start feeling like irritated, like all these people want so much for me. <laughs> and then I realize that's <laughs> mostly me putting all those expectations on myself. And I haven't filled myself up at all. So reading is the biggest way. And I have let that slide a little bit this last year. So that's something I need to prioritize is more time for reading. And not just reading to meet my goal or reading, you know, to have read certain things for author events, but just reading because reading fills me up. Yeah. And then I'm an extrovert. So, you know, spending time with my friends and a mom's night out or going out to dinner, spending time with my husband. We've been going on a lot of dates lately. That's been fun. <laughs> and then, okay, new thing for me, sketch noting. I have got, totally gotten into, and I'm forgetting his last name, so I have to grab it it's right here. Mike Road mm-hmm. has this book called on sketch noting. And for Christmas, I got the sketch note workbook. And it's basically like how to take notes with images and graphics and art. I'm not like a drawer or an artist. I would not normally tell my, you know, describe myself as somebody who draws or somebody who makes art. But I like taking notes on the things I'm listening or things I'm listening of taking notes on things I'm reading. Not like outline notes. Oh my goodness. Not like that. But like pulling quotes out like a commonplace book. So sketch notes are kind of a combination between visual, really simple visual drawings and words. I don't know. It's just, it's, like making me happy. I'm liking it. So I'm really terrible at it, but I don't care. It's really fun. (laughs) Yeah. I really like Mike Rhodes' work. There's another person called The Graphic Recorder, and I think it's graphicrecorder.com. We'll put it in the show notes. But he does a lot of work specifically for education. And so how to, you know, teach your students how to do this. So it would be a great way to do, you know, sort of informal narrations with things that you're reading with your kids for them to to draw. I don't have seen that. Yeah. I don't like it a lot. Okay. So how has this work changed you? How it fills you up, but how does it change you? How does it influence your family culture? Well, for one thing, it holds me accountable. (laughs) My kids would tease me when I launched the podcast. Like if we had gone a couple of days without reading aloud, 
Oh, don't worry. Mom's just too busy recording the Read Aloud Revival to read aloud to us. <laughs> that cuts right to your heart. So that yeah. you can't let that go for too long. But, you know, aside from that, I think tapping into the community, it's hard to describe when we read these emails and we see these conversations in the forum or on Facebook or in social media, in our comments to our show notes, it gives me this vision for what reading aloud can really do for relationships inside of a family. When we get these stories of, I'm just remembering one particular story where a listener wrote in and said that she was in the car. Have we said that? I might've said this on the podcast before. That's okay. I'm going to say it again. She was in the car with her daughters and they were in got stuck in traffic and her kids, and I think they were maybe a five and seven or seven and nine, something like that. And they were just starting to get kind of cagey and like things were going to start falling apart. It's about dinner time. And she had just listened, come to one of our master classes in membership. It was a class all about how to talk to your kids about books. And so she thinks, okay, I'm pretty sure they said that there are free fairy tales on LibriVox. So she gets out her phone and she just puts on this seven or eight minute fairy tale from LibriVox, totally free and streams it for her kids to listen to. And they completely quiet down, listen to the fairy tale. And then she remembers that in the Read Aloud Revival, we teach five questions that you can ask your kids about any book to have a really great conversation. And you can just apply these really open-ended questions to any book at all, from like a picture book all the way up to college level reading. And so she remembered one of those questions and she asked it right there in the car. And she said they had the most amazing conversation and the kids were excited. And it was like the highlight of their day. And then going forward, anytime they were in the car and the kids would ask, is it going to be seven minutes at least? Because if it was, then they wanted to listen to a fairy tale and talk about it afterwards. So we get stuff like this. And I think, oh my goodness, that is going to, those conversations and the bonding that happens there, that's going to be something they carry with them forever. And so we hear these kinds of stories all the time. And it just, I don't know, it gives me this vision for what reading aloud can do for the family. It just makes me feel like we're doing when we read aloud with our kids has this eternal importance. So I know my kids, they're really voracious readers. My big kids are. And I really think coming to all the author events and reading this wide selection of books because we're always getting recommendations from our community. It's turned them into even more voracious readers. And it's just been really fun to see them get so inspired and motivated. I know after our very first live author event, and that one was with Caroline Star Rose, my girls spent like three hours after that author event writing in verse. Writing poems? Yes. (laughs) I thought, oh my goodness. My husband looked at me and he said, do more of that. Whatever you did, whatever that was. Well, thank you so much for sharing a few minutes with me and answering questions and giving us a peek behind the scenes of the podcast. Oh, it's been so much fun for me. Thank you for coming on. Now it's time for Let the Kids Speak. This is my favorite part of the podcast, where kids tell us about their favorite stories that have been read aloud to them. Hi, my name is Susanna. I am eight years old. I am from Michigan. My favorite book is The Green Ember. It is an adventure story about rabbits. I give it five stars. Hi, my name is Boston. I am 10 years old and I'm from Seattle, Washington. One of my favorite books is The Sugar Creek Game. They solve mysteries, catch robbers, and they also go on in lots and lots and lots of adventures. They live in this place called Sugar Creek Game. Sugar Creek, 
and they all meet up. The main character's name is Bill. He is his real name is Jasper Collins, but really he just likes to be called Bill, and he's a farmer. Hi, my name is James. I'm four years old, and I live in Hamilton, which is in Canada. And my favorite book is The Hobbit because there's this wicked dragon, and he gets slain. And there's this man, and he shoots the dragon, and there's all armor over him except for one little part that doesn't have armor, and the arrow goes in there. What's your name? Alex. And how old are you? Two. Where do you live? Tulsa. And what's your favorite book? Renee and Ham. By. By Dr. Seuss. And why do you like Renee and Ham? Because I like it so much. Hi, my name is Charlotte. I'm eight years old. I live in Alabama. My favorite read aloud was Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. My favorite part of it was when Harry fought Voldemort. Thank you, thank you, kids. Favorite part of the podcast. I love hearing from you. If your child would like to be featured on the show, just head to readaloudrevival.com and scroll all the way to the bottom of the page so they can leave a message. Super easy, just like Courtney said. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was really fun to make for you. And it was really fun to kind of invite you behind the curtain and show you what it takes to get the podcast into your ears and all the joy that we get from building this community of families who are building their culture around books. To connect with us, make sure you head to readaloudrevival.com and pop your email on the page there. That will be the best way for you to get the first news, the first word, whenever we have a new amazing resource um, or podcast episode or free guide to send your way. So make sure you do that. And you can also connect with us on Facebook. Head to facebook.com slash readaloudrevival and like our page there so you can see when we do updates. Also on Instagram is another great place to connect with us. That's just instagram.com slash read aloud revival. I have been doing daily book picks on read aloud. I'm sorry, on Instagram. And I use the hashtag RAR book picks. And every day I show you another book that our family loves. I'm doing that because we are creating a fantastic resource for you here, a free book list that you're just going to absolutely love. Uh, It's going to release in March and kind of gearing up to that. I've just been sharing some of our family favorites on Instagram. And so you can connect with us there at instagram.com slash read aloud revival. So happy you're a part of our world. We're very, very grateful you've allowed us to be a part of yours until next time. Go build your family culture around books.